You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're just kicking off a new series called Supernatural God. Um, During the fall a couple years ago, my buddy Roy came over our house and he saw our backyard and our backyard was just like a big messy marsh of a landscape and it was a mess and it was all watery and, and he has he just got this like vision of like what it could be and so he spent the last several years helping me transform it of his own gracious, good time. He's just an amazing landscape design guy. And um, so one of the things that he said is, you know, let's plant some trees. Well, 57 trees later, hello, we are planting these trees. But most of them started out about this tall, just little evergreens that we put in. And then, of course, after we plant them, last summer we had no rain, right? It was a drought all summer. So I had to keep on extending my, ha- my hose from the house and watering all these trees. And I remember pulling the hose down and, and getting ready and squeezing that nozzle and no water coming out. And I turn around, there's a kink in the hose, of course. So I go up and I unkink it and I run back and I squeeze the nozzle and there's still no water. And I look back and there's a kink higher in the hose. So I run up and unkink it and I run back down and I squeeze it and there's still no water. And I go back up to the hose hideaway and I pull out all 100 feet of the hose and I'm like looking for kinks anywhere. I run back down. I should be good now. And I squeeze it, still no water, until I magically, miraculously went up and turned the faucet on and then (laughs) there was water. Now the problems in our lives often aren't that simple. It's not like you can just go find the source and flip a switch or turn a faucet one way or the other and your problem goes away. There are several things I wish that were true of right now. I wish I could just, you know, flip a magic button and my wife would be completely healthy and healed of all the stuff that she's been going on. I wish I could turn on a faucet and a building would just pour out on the property up the street, right? There are things we wish were that simple, but so often in life, that's not how it goes. And there are relationship issues and provision issues, financial issues. There are issues with health. There are issues with heartache. There are so many different things that we all wrestle with. And as I was praying recently, I just felt so strongly that I'm supposed to remind you that you are in a relationship with a supernatural God, that you do not just have a natural God or a natural person or natural resources or all the stuff that we can pull off at your disposal. You are in a relationship with a supernatural God which means he's more than natural. So if you're new to us and you're freaked out by the term supernatural, don't be, because it just simply means that God is so much different than you and I and so much bigger and so much stronger and so much more capable. And so the things in our lives that we know we need help with, we can bring to our supernatural God. Some of us need God to transform somebody's heart. I just want to let you know today God is in that business. Maybe he has to transform our heart. Maybe there's some stuff that's happened to us and we're just broken and we're hurting and our heart is aching and and there's all kinds of stuff that's collected in there over time and we need God to change or transform our heart. Maybe it's a person's heart. Maybe it's a spouse, an ex-spouse, a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's someone who's angry at God or doubtful and there's a time where God moves on people's hearts. Maybe it's a sin struggle. Maybe you're just like so exhausted from this sin battle that you've been walking through and you just need a time of release. Maybe it's a time of release from a health issue or it's some type of an addiction and God wants to bring a time of release. Maybe it's provision. Maybe it's protection. Maybe it's restoration. Maybe it's justice. Some of us need God to bring justice about in our lives. And I want us to jump into God's word today and see what he's able to do. So we're going to look at the book of Ezra today. 
We don't often talk about Ezra. I bet no one in this room, including me, has a, a, a verse from Ezra memorized. None of you have anything sewn into a pillow from Ezra at your house, okay? And so today we're going to look at an unfamiliar story that is so incredibly powerful, and it's going to remind us that we are in a relationship with a supernatural God. And so the Israelites had sinned like good parents. God looks at the sin and the things that had taken them into directions that were against his heart, and he leads them into a time of discipline. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes and captures the people. Now, we know, many of us know that story. We don't often put ourselves there. Imagine going home tonight and invading people from another land, literally take us and move us to their land. Like, we're not at home anymore. We're not coming home tonight. We're not coming home next week or a year from now. Like, we've been taken. We may or may not be with our whole family over there. Maybe some were taken to different parts of that land, or maybe some were left. And so there's this time of discipline that comes on that's really intense, and the people have no natural reason to believe there will be any change. They're under this king's rule now in this foreign land, and there's no reason to think he's just going to let them come back. And so they find themselves in an impossible situation. In Ezra 1.1, it says this, In the first year of Cyrus, everybody say Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart. Everyone say the Lord moved the heart. He moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to put it in to writing. I think that's pretty awesome. Imagine having the authority to put a proclamation into writing. I would say something like this. I hereby and hitherto declare that all Living Word Church members will, from this day forward, root for the Mets of Flushing Queens, and then half the church would leave. It'd be wonderful, right? You guys would all be mad at me. But everybody say Cyrus. All right, so Cyrus is who we're talking about. Who was Cyrus? Cyrus was the king. At this time, he had conquered Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a polytheistic person who, that means he didn't believe in, in the one true God. He believed in many gods. And so he had no relationship with the one true God. But did you see what it said in that verse? God moved his heart. This unbelieving man's heart, this person who had no relationship with him, he transformed his heart. So I want to encourage you today that if there's someone in your life or it's your own heart that needs to be transformed, God is in the business of doing that. Amen? God does these things. He's that big and he's that powerful. Maybe it's your unbelieving child. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's someone in the workplace or school that you've witnessed to and you're, you're like afraid to tell them about Easter this year because you're going to get something thrown at you. God is able to change the hardest heart. And I love that it said, if you remember just a minute ago as we read, that this was done to fulfill what the Lord spoke through Jeremiah. God was moving, and Jeremiah said this was going to happen. And I want to let you know that God is moving behind the scenes in your lives, that he has a plan and he has a purpose. And I love that God was fulfilling that by changing Cyrus's heart. Look at verse 2. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus recognizes that God has given him this opportunity to build this thing for him. So remember, we've got a polytheist 
atheistic, unbelieving king who God has changed his heart and gotten him on his mission. Okay, we are not going to get into politics today. And everyone said amen to that one. Right. But I want you to imagine for a second. Think about honestly how often you have prayed with faith and expectation for a leader of the other political party, the one you don't subscribe to and expected 180 transformation in that person's heart. I think we think that's pretty rare. Right? That suddenly the leader that we don't like and, and we don't agree with would suddenly have a 180 transformation on his position on that issue. And yet here is what God has done in the heart of this unbelieving polytheistic king. He's transformed it and changed it and got it on to God's mission. And here now is a time of release. People have been in bondage for all these years, and there's a time of release. And listen, everyone look at me real quick. I think so often we forget how often God has given us a time of release. In fact, as I was writing this message, I just sat and thought for a few minutes and said, God, when are times you've given me a time of release from a thing I was questioning or wandering in or frustrated or stuck in? And I couldn't think of any just to prove my point. No, that's not true at all. I, I thought of many times that God did this for me. I'll give you some examples. First off, a lot of you guys in the room, we got a lot of young people in this church. I love that. You're uncertain about what the heck you're going to do with your life. What's my life going to be about? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Who am I going to do life with? And I had that exact question. Who am I going to do life with? Where am I going to do life? And, and the uncertainty of that. And then there was a time of release from that uncertainty. I think of where is my wife, that question. And I don't just mean I lost her in Target, right? Like, where's my wife? What do we do before cell phones, by the way? Like, I'm by the pasta. I'm by the socks. Like, you got to find each other in there. But where is my wife? Who is my wife? When is this going to happen? And, and where is she, God? Some of you are there. Some of you guys are at when will we be able to have kids? You know, Kelly and I struggled to have kids for a season. It's like, God, when is this going to happen, God? This is, a, I think, a good desire you've placed in our heart. When, where is our church going to go? Right? We're at Wisconsin Highway at the old building on that little half acre. Where are we going to go? What's God going to do? Time of release came. Here's a big one for me. When am I getting out of this hospital? And I didn't even know my story in there for 63 days. And I remember soon after coming out of ICU and coming off the vent and ECMO life support, I said to April, our friend who's a nurse practitioner over there, I said, April, when do you think I'm getting out of here? And I was hoping for like tomorrow, next week, right? And she very accurately told me, which I didn't want to hear, that in all of her years of, of going you know, through this and, and working with people, that there was... For every day you're in ICU, it's another several days of recovery. And she about nailed my estimate on when I would get out. And it just felt like forever. But there was a time of release. God worked on a polytheistic, unbelieving king's heart and got him on his mission. And there was a time of release. I talk with many of you. I look around the room and I know many of your faces and many of your stories. And I know many of you are stuck right now. You ever been in a car that stalled out? Remember sitting at Pond Path and 347 years ago, and all of a sudden my car just stalled out and I was stuck and it died. It never drove again. And I think some of us feel like that's life. Like I am just literally stuck. I'm stalled out. There will be no time of release. There will be no change. Are you seeing that God is a God 
who brings restoration and times of release. Let's keep going. Verse four, and the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide him with silver and gold. So Cyrus is telling the people, if you've got silver and gold, give it to the Israelites. Help them. Look at the provision God provides. He says in verse five, then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved. So here's God moving on more hearts. He moved on Cyrus's heart, but now he's moving on the people's heart to give them a desire to go back and do the things God wants them to do. They prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. I'm telling you, God is moving pieces behind the scenes here, everybody. And he does that so often in our lives. He's moving pieces behind the scenes. I'm telling you today, no one needs to hear this message more than I do today, all right? So this is me preaching at my own heart as much as anybody else's today. But God moves those pieces. I think back to a time when I was in college, my junior year, and I was tired of being away. I loved my home. I loved my family. I loved my church. I loved being a youth leader at our church. I loved my friends. I didn't want to be away anymore. I was only two hours away, but I didn't want to be there anymore. And so I, I actually got to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm leaving this college. I'm going to leave this college. You watch me leave this college, you know? And so I went home and said that to my parents. Like, I think I want to leave college, which is what every parent wants to hear. It's awesome. And so um, I had this conversation with them and um, I'm telling them, you know, I, I had health issues that year. And so I didn't want to be away for that reason. And I was just feeling like restless, you know? And I just, I, there was like, why am I here? What is going on here? And I wanted to transfer to a college on the island, but that college didn't have my degree. I was going for a ministry degree. And of course, any any school around here wasn't going to have that. And I respected my parents enough and their relationship with God and their ability to hear from the Lord to know that when they said you should finish college, that I did. But I figured out a way to make both work. So as a senior in college, I commuted up the two hours and back the two hours every day to school. And some of you guys are saying, wow, that's crazy. Some of you guys are like, I do that every day, Doug. That is so unimpressive. Why don't you cry about it, bro? Thanks for your sympathy. But I went ahead and did that. And what was so interesting is I come back home and within a, a few weeks of, of being home and doing this commute, I have this dream about this girl named Kelly Pavone that I'd known since fourth grade. And I called her the next day and asked her if she wanted to hang out. And we were married 10 months later. And that reconnection happened because I was home. And yet had I completely gotten off the path of ministry and, and stopped the college education toward that ministry, it would have delayed my whole life and the things God was calling to. And so God was working behind the scenes, even in the midst of all that confusion and, and me and my parents going, I don't see this. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know why I feel so restless. I don't know why I haven't connected at college like I do at home. I don't know why I'm having these health issues. And my parents are going, but finish school. And God was just working and weaving the whole story together, though none of us could see it. And, and it was a painful time. I remember being at school, my parents saying, no, we want you to finish. And I was so anxious about it that I actually held a Bible on my stomach because I had this anxiety pain right in here. And I was like, osmosis, Lord, bring, bring the Psalms, the peace through the skin, you know? Like I literally would fall asleep with the Bible on my stomach like that. And yet God had a plan. And there was a time of release. And there was a time where God would do what only God could do as he moved the pieces of my life. And I want to encourage you, he is working in your life. He's working in your life. Something that I'm praying God will keep reminding me is recently, I felt like I'm supposed to really talk to the young people at Living Word about just calling you to something higher, you know? Like calling you up in your faith. 
all right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been on a sports team and they call you up to the plate. Uh, they call you up to the starting lineup. They, they call you up. And I'm not saying you're in a bad place necessarily. It's just like, is this the time now for you to take your faith to that next level, to be serious about your relationship with God, to not just let it be your parents or your church or your youth group or your pastors, but for you personally that you would say, okay, God, I want to take you seriously. I want to grow in my relationship and my experience with you. I want to believe and trust that you are working behind the scenes in the details of my life. I'm going to continue to talk to you throughout the message as well. But then it goes on in verse 6. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the freewill offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus, listen, this is important, brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord. So when Nebuchadnezzar conquers the Israelites, he takes the articles, the, the things that were holy to the people of God from the temple, and he brings it over and he places it in the temple of his God. And now they're not where they belong, along with the people of God. And I want you to see how God restored what was wrong and made it right. Like how he restored and, and brought back those, even those articles. I mean, they're just things, but they were important to the people of God in their worship. And, and so he restored even those things. It says that uh, King Cyrus brought the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the temple of his God. So we see provision here. God providing for this trip and financing of the temple through the, the neighbors of the people that live there. And then we see the restoration of what really belonged to the people of God. And I encourage you, God is a provider. And we're living in a crazy world right now where finances are nuts and everything's just way too much. Things that shouldn't even be marked up are marked up. Services and all kinds of products and everything you can imagine just cost so much more than it did. And I just want to encourage you that as we continue to look to the Lord, he's promised, he has promised to be faithful to us. He's promised to provide for us. And he is a restorer of things like no one else can be. Remember, supernatural God. Ezra chapter 2, the first group returned to Jerusalem. Ezra chapter 3, they begin to rebuild the temple and the altar. Ezra chapter 4, trouble hits. Israel's enemies say to the Israelites, hey, we want to help you rebuild. And really, they don't want to help them really rebuild. They want to get in the way. And so the, the Israelites say back, nah, we're good. That's literally the Hebrew translation right there. <laughs> so they say, nah, we're, we're good. We don't need to help. And, and this makes them crazy. Their enemies get angry. And it says in verse 5, they hired counselors to work against them. Like Israel's enemies hated them so much, they hired counselors to go and try to confuse them and cause conflict and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of King Darius of Persia. Everybody say Darius. Uh-oh. Cyrus had his heart changed by God. But now there's another king. His heart hasn't been changed by God. What now? Cyrus is on God's mission but Darius isn't on God's mission. So what now? What's going to happen? And I think that as we look at this, we have to realize that God is so big, he's not worried about, hey, if he has to transform one king's heart or two or three, like he could just do what he needs to do. So if you're here today going, I don't know if God's going to change my heart. I don't know if he's able to do it. I don't know if he's going to bring my kid back. I don't know if he could touch that grandchild. I don't know if he's going to do anything in that relationship. He's so able to transform hearts. It goes on in verse 24. Thus, the house on the work of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. If you do the math, that is a period of 16 years. 
16 years, the mission of God, the purpose of the people of God was stalled out. I think you and I need to recognize that, man, sometimes our enemy comes for us, doesn't he? You know, if you and I were out on a a military field today and we were battling with our enemies, none of us would be surprised if somebody shot at us. That's what they're there to do. But we often forget that our enemy shoots at us, doesn't he? And we we just did a series on the armor of God. And we just talked about how we have the high ground in Jesus. And, And then we talked about remembering this battle that we're in. And listen, some of you guys, it just feels like the enemy has shot one thing after another, after another, after another. I want to encourage you, as we're going to see in just a few minutes, that our God is a God who at times just brings rest. Just a deep breath. I can breathe now. I'm okay now. I was talking with a pastor on Friday night. He said, Doug, for the first time since 2020, it started to feel like ministry is fun again. It started to feel like I have vision again. It started to feel like I'm excited again to do what I do because the enemy took so many shots. And some of us, that's just been life. We just keep getting beat down and beat down and beat down. And I want to encourage you that our God is a God who knows how to bring a time of rest. Verse 24, thus the work on the house. Well, I read that. Let's go to Ezra chapter 5. Oh, this is so exciting. So some men of God, prophets of God, help with what's happening here. I, I, I'm thinking you're going to recognize a couple of these names. Haggai and Zechariah. Do those names sound familiar to you? They're, they're prophets, okay? The books of the Bible, Haggai, Zechariah. I don't know if anybody here is like a Marvel fan or like a Star Wars fan or you like superhero movies, but it's always awesome when you realize two superheroes are a part of the same universe, right? That's like a big deal, especially in our day, okay? But do you know that Haggai, Zechariah, and Ezra are like are part of the same universe? Like literally, they're contemporaries. And so Ezra is still in Babylon, but Haggai and Zechariah are rallying the troops and the people of God to get their eyes back on the mission and the purpose of God. Everyone look at me real quick. Who you surround yourself with is everything. Talk to some young people in the room. Talk to some single people in the room. Who you link yourself up with in a dating, in a marriage relationship is everything. The friends you hang out with is everything. You need some Haggai and Zacharias in your life to look you in the eyes and say, let's get back on the purpose of God. We're gonna rally you back to what you know God has for you. Friendships are so important. Community is so important. That's why church is so important because we do this together. I said in that Armor of God series, it's easy to pick off a soldier who's by himself, but when you have a whole battalion together and they're locking shields, it's a whole different story. And so we need the people of God like this in our lives to look us in the eyes and get us back on the mission of God. But then some more opposition hits. And you can imagine the Israelites must just be exhausted. But look at this, Ezra 5, 5. But the eye of their God was watching. Can we say that together? But the eye of their God was watching. I just want to let you know today that that God sees what you are going through. He sees where you are. He sees your disappointment. He sees injustice. He sees pain. He sees heartache. He sees the sickness. He sees the financial strain. He sees the struggle. He sees the doubt. He, he sees where you are. And it says, he was watching over the elders of the Jews, and they were not stopped until a report could go to Darius and his written reply be received. So we have this tension now. Cyrus said they could go build the temple and go back. Now we got Darius, and his heart hasn't been changed. He's not on the mission of God. And in Ezra chapter, fi- uh, ch- chapter 5, excuse me, uh, they began to say to Darius, wait a minute, we have permission to go build here. If you search the archives, you'll see it. And it says in Ezra 6, 2, 
a scroll was found in the citadel of Ecbatana in the province of Media, and this was written on it. Memorandum. In the first year of the king of Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt. He's changing Darius' heart now. Oh, Darius, you got to get on the mission of God. Cyrus said this could happen, and so now your heart's going to be changed too. And I love the last line. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. So that would be like the state of New York saying, hey, guys, you know that five acres up the street? Yeah, we're going to fund that for you. Have fun with that new building. Amen? My lips to God's ears, anybody? First service was excited about that. I guess you guys want to keep meeting in the school or something. No, I mean, but man, that's exciting. God's a provider. God comes through. God does his thing. Provision again. And listen, justice. Justice, because Cyrus had said they could build, and now suddenly there's this stop to the build, and God says, oh, I'm going to keep doing my thing, and I'm going to bring about justice for you, and Darius is going to see, and his heart's going to be aligned with my purposes for this plan. Ezra chapter 6, Darius tells the people that they are not to bother the Israelites. In fact, it says this in verse 12, may God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow. You want to talk about being on God's plan? Darius the king is now threatening other people who are going to try to oppose God. Overthrow any king of people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. Protection. Provision. God transformed the hearts of two kings who are not even followers of the one true God. Ezra chapter 6, the temple is completed and they dedicate it. And it says in verse 22... For seven days they celebrated with joy the Feast of Unleavened Bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by, listen, changing the attitude of the king of Assyria. And we're two kings in. So that he assisted them in the work on the house of God, the God of Israel. Fifty-eight years later, we get to chapter 7. Ezra and many other Jews who had stayed in Babylon are about to go. The king is now Artaxerxes. Everybody say Artaxerxes. Ah, yeah, that one wasn't as easy, right? You guys were like, Cyrus, Darius, I mean, Xerxes. But God transforms the heart of king number three. Would it be something for him to transform the heart of a governor, a president, a, a mayor, a, a legislator, a congressperson? Amen. <laughs> right? That would be amazing. But God's done it three times in a row now so that his purposes are accomplished and Ezra's about to head back because he's experienced this supernatural God at work. And it says in chapter 8, verse 21, There by the Hava Canal, I, pro I proclaimed a fast. Everybody say fast. So that's a word that we say in church, and I don't get any amens on that word, fast, okay? So that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. Ezra proclaimed a fast. And he did so because he knew that the the travels ahead could be dangerous, could be costly. There could be people that would rise against them. They had experienced opposition. And so he declares a time of fast. Now listen, maybe a part of our journey or your journey in this next season will be some fasting and prayer. We don't like to hear messages about this. But what's fasting and prayer? It's giving something up so that you can spend that time more devoted 
with God, right? It's giving something up. So maybe it's, I'm going to give up uh, a meal a day. Maybe it's, I'm going to give up social media. I'm going to give up TV. I'm going to give up TV after a certain time. I'm going to give up uh, caffeine, Lord Jesus, help us all. I'm going to lock myself in my room if I do that one, but, right? I'm going to give something up so that I can focus my prayers. And listen, when you fast and pray, you are not earning anything from God. Please know that. I've said this before, if I was on the battlefield and someone threw me a sword and I was gifted that sword and then I swung that sword, it would be used powerfully. It's a powerful weapon I had been given, not something I earned or something I would use to earn something from someone else. And fasting and prayer are a powerful weapon we've been given. This is something God showed me years ago. I used to think, oh yeah, watch this, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast and pray and you're gonna be so impressed. You're gonna give me what I'm asking for. And then I realized that is so not how it works because everything we get from God is a gift. And so even the ability to fast and pray is a gift. And so I would encourage you to think about if there's a supernatural oh God, come through thing that you need in your life because there's an impossible situation that you fast and pray. And this week, just so you're not doing it alone, I'm gonna fast and pray. And I'm gonna pray that God will do some things. I'm not gonna tell you what I'm gonna fast because it's between me and the Lord. So back up, all right? (laughs) But I wanna encourage you to, to fast and pray. And if you don't feel led to, this is about the Lord's leading, right? This isn't a guilt thing. Come on, let's do this if we're really serious. No, maybe it's like, maybe you're going on vacation. Like, Go enjoy. Like, don't fast and pray, please, right? Like, be led in it. But I just want you to know you won't be alone. And I think it's pretty powerful that if many of us together fast and pray this next week and we just give something up so that we can focus on the Lord and focus on that time and use that powerful weapon that God's given us, that it might just lead us another step closer toward that supernatural outcome that God alone can provide. He knows where those faucets are that we can't quite reach. He knows how to turn those things on, has access to those things that we can't quite make happen. Look at the result of Ezra's fast. Ezra 8.31, on the 12th day of the first month, we set out from the Ahava Canal to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he protected us from enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived in Jerusalem, I love the last five words, where we rested three days, a time of rest. Sometimes we just need a time of rest. I love that God cares about that. God cares about the fact that we get a a moment of rest as much as he cares about the provision and the justice and the time of release and all the restoration. He cares about you. And, And some of us just so badly need the Lord to give us a break, a time of rest, a time where we're protected and just kept and we can breathe deeply. Like my pastor friend was saying, I just, I feel like I could breathe again. I feel like I could dream again, and I can pray visionary again. And so I pray that you today are reminded that you are in a relationship with a supernatural God. This is not just some natural thing we have going on here. You're in a relationship with a supernatural God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you you can have a relationship with a God that we base everything on, as we'll celebrate in a couple weeks, a public resurrection from the dead. Talk supernatural. We have a supernatural God, a God who raises back from the dead and raises others back from the dead and and raises all kinds of situations back from the dead. And so I don't know what you need to bring to him today, but some of us, it's that transformation of heart, ours or somebody else's. Some of us, it's the time of release from the sin struggle or the addiction or the sadness or the anxiety. Some of us, it's just provision. Some of us, it's restoration 
of something that has been stolen, protection, justice, I encourage you to seek him and to fast and pray. And I encourage you to not hold back that thing that just feels so impossible. Bring it to him. I wrote down something that I looked back at from a message from 2015. That's the last time that we looked at the story of Ezra. And I think I'm going to get through with this service. I was bawling my way through this last service. But this is what I wrote the last time we looked at this passage. We were in the building on 347 and a half acre. It said, we have less than a year before, before all of our on-street parking is taken away. Depending on the turnout, we park about 25 cars out there. As we've counted the car-to-person ratio, our church has a ratio of one car for every two people on average. So that's about 50 people that we won't have parking for per service. We're in contact with a number of nearby businesses to see if we can use their parking on Sundays. We are also willing to do multiple morning services if that's what it takes, but those are extremely temporary solutions. So we have a long-term problem and we have no idea how to solve it. We need a new building, but we don't know how, what we're going to do next. Things seem sort of impossible. We're saving and are so grateful for all of you that have sacrificially given. We're off to a great start, but we need God to do something absolutely amazing. And that's what we want to happen. We need God to do something amazing, but we want God to do something amazing. The first day we have our service in the new building, we don't want anyone saying, man, thank God for that staff. They had such a smart plan to make all this happen. We want people to say, can you believe how God pulled this off? And I think about the fact that we went from that little building in that little parking lot to meeting here in the school to five acres waiting for us up the road. And you know what? We need an impossible God, a supernatural God, a powerful God, the God of the impossible to come through and make a way for us. He's so faithful. He's going to be faithful to carry us to that next dwelling point where we can be a blessing in this community for decades and decades to come. But I know that whatever you've got going on, the Lord's working. He's behind the scenes. For some of us, he's right up front. For some of us, it's the, it's the fruition of all those years and of prayers and tears. For some of us, it's about to be there. It's about to come. It's on its way. But we need to just keep clinging to the Lord. Keep waiting on his timing. Keep trusting in him. Surrounding ourselves with Haggai and Zacharias who will remind us that God is faithful, that he is good, that he has us. I'm grateful for my wife who looked me in the face and remind me of God's faithfulness, remind me of what God's done. Can you just raise your hand real quick if you've seen God come through in any way, shape, or form in your life at some point or another? Just look around, everybody. Look at the God that we have. Look at his faithfulness. Look what he can do. I know we don't always get what we want in the way that we want it, but we have a relationship with a supernatural God. Let's take that seriously. Let's bring to him those things that we have no other answer for because he's able. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that we got to just raise our hands together and say that you're good, say that you are working currently up to date in 2023 in our lives. And God, I have so many friends in the room here who are hurting and so many, God, whose stories are, are painful and they feel stuck. But I thank you, God, that Man, we're able to look back on different points in our lives and see ways that you've brought about that time of healing and release and that time of restoration and justice and provision. 
God, thank you so much that you changed hearts. I thank you we saw you transform the hearts of three pagan kings, Lord. There's nothing too hard for you. Thank you for how you restored your people. And so, God, we ask you for help today. I pray for the young people in the room and watching online that, God, they will take you seriously, that, God, they will take a step of faith and and bring something difficult to you, that they'll maybe even fast and pray and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you for me. I'm thankful for my parents or I'm thankful for that that grandparent or that uncle or that aunt or that friend that brought me in in their story, but, God, I want to know you for me. So, God, would you work mightily. Earlier, we just stayed quiet. We were still and knew that he was God. And I just want to do that again now. Just bring to the Lord that impossible situation, that scenario that you need a supernatural God to come through on. Let's be still for a moment in his presence, at his feet. transform a heart would you pray about it if you need him to bring about a time of release from something in your life provision justice restoration bring it to him if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him you can just pray quietly with me Jesus thank you for dying for me for rising from the dead thank you for your love and your mercy Thank you for your desire to have a relationship with me where I can know you, be close to you, God. Thank you for this amazing gift of salvation. In your name I pray.